Crosstalk, the unintentional transfer of signals between communication channels. A casual conversation. Alright, hello world, this is Video Game Crosstalk episode 10101. This is the monthly podcast of gamers talking tech, science, and whatever else comes to mind. I'm your host, Anthony Rossi, and with me this week is Twitch streamer Mach Zero, or as we like to call him, Kevin. So, hey Kevin, what's going on? Pretty good, Anthony. How, how about you? <laughs> Alright, man. So, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, this month, I guess, guess we'll say it. Um, <laughs> I used to do this podcast uh, every other week. It used to be a little bi-weekly podcast, but uh, life has kind of taken precedence. Uh, in my previous podcast, um, my little shorty episode for the Christmas, for the Christmas season, excuse me, I mentioned uh, I welcomed my my wife and I. We welcomed our first baby boy into the world. Congrats! And let me tell you. Those little monsters take up a lot of time. Oh, I, I I can imagine. Yeah, it's it is no joke, and this is one of those <laughs> things where people can tell oh, you. I, oh, believe me, I've I've heard stories from my dad when me and my sibling when me and my siblings were like really young, like when we were babies, like what what my parents had to do to take care of us. He said it's no joke either. It's like it's all about them and not about you at all. It's like I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, it, it is amazing. It's just it's just nonstop, and this is one of those things where like your parents or your friends can tell you to their blue in the face about how much of a commitment it is, and it's it's just one of those things that you just don't understand until you go through it yourself. And you know, the first month or so of this, I'm just thinking to myself, Good Lord. I don't know how I could do this as a single parent. Um, not, not to get too heavy right off the rip on the podcast, yeah. but man, to the, to the single parents out there who are holding it down, bless you. <laughs> All right, bless you. Do your thing. And uh, if you're a friend of uh, of some parents or new parents out there, and you're getting kind of annoyed because they're not calling you back, yo, deal with it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I know a friend of mine. Um, I was actually friends with her. Um, I was actually friends with her brother first, but then I became friends with her later on, and mm-hmm. and uh, she actually um, she actually re- she had her she had her baby uh, last year actually, and I've I've had the honor of being named an honorary uncle. So I oh nice. Uh, so she's my so I actually I have a I have a niece now. So I was like oh, this is awesome. I'm actually I'm. A, She's like, oh, you're you're gonna be an uncle. I was like, oh, I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah. Actually, so, <laughs> so I'm like, I've never, I've never been an uncle before, so I was uh, that was an honor for me. But um, yeah, I, surprisingly, the couple times I've seen my niece, she's actually, I think she's she's uh, she's behaved surprisingly pretty well. When I've seen her, I was like, oh, I'm like, wow, but I'm I'm okay, very surpri- I'm very surprised. I'm like I'm like, and she's like, she's not she's not even a year old yet. She's like only mm-hmm. like she's almost probably like seven months old. Okay. And I'm like, I'm like, all right. Wow. So they probably got the routine down. Like my wife and I, uh, we learned that if we're gonna bring our kid out anywhere, and by the way, my child is like just over three months at this uh-huh. point. 
So your friend is now a veteran, as far as I'm concerned. That's just what I've observed. I'm not going to label it anything. So. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, we just get our kid milk drunk. We, uh, we just give him, like, the biggest bottle of that the little man can handle, yeah. and uh, he just like goes into a food coma. It's like, oh yeah, he's behaving so well, yeah, because he's passed out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so we were um, moving on a little bit. We were chatting uh, before we started recording. Uh, you've been quite the busy bee. What have you been up to? Yeah, I have it. Been quite. I've been quite busy at this uh, this new job I I started towards the beginning of this month. I on um, I have a lot more responsibilities now or a lot more tasks than I did in my previous job, which okay. it's not, a, it's not a bad thing at all. Actually, I really enjoy it cause it keeps me busy and everything. So, um, I've been busy with that and I've been busy with soul of keeping my Twitch streaming up a little bit and also taking care of other life stuff and everything and just right. keeping in touch with friends and everything. So yeah, my, the, the past two or three weeks have been really busy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, um, on your, I, I want to get the. I want to get it right. So I'm going to pop over to your um, Twitter profile. Sure. 3D prop artist. Are you still working in that field? Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm working towards that field and everything. Uh, okay. I, that's not my current title right now or my current position, but that's what I'm aiming to do in the future or at some point in time. Okay. Um. So. Do you mind sharing what you're doing right now? Like what industry you're working in, or you want to? Uh, sure, I don't mind. So um, I'm working. I'm the current title. Of the current position I'm working at is called Art Development Tester, which is another. Um, it's basically in QA or quality assurance. Like it's basically a QA position or uh, quality assurance, basically a game tester position. Oh wow! Basically, what I do as an art development tester is. I focus mostly on the art and animation aspects of the game I'm testing right now, and um, that's it's a little bit different from my previous job since I did like basically a general uh, game testing or, or QA aspect of previous games or projects I worked on. But basically, okay. I just focus on if and like art or like any art or animation is doesn't look correct, I bug it and be like, hey, this needs to be fixed and stuff like that. So that's like basically what I do right now. Okay. Um, so the game that you're working on right now, I'm, I'm going to try to speak in the most general terms as possible. So I don't, I don't yeah. want you to get in trouble, especially since you, you know, apparently you just started this new position. So yeah. I don't need to delve into company secrets just yet. Yeah. Uh, but um, so are you working in the, a 2d or a 3d space right now? Um. Do you mean like mean um, game wise or if it's yeah, like for the game itself? It's um, it's kind of like it's kind of like a mix of the two, but it's more two D than three D. So like mm-hmm. there are some three D aspects of it, but it's more two D. Okay, so what type of things would you be bugging? So by the process of bugging, um, I'm assuming that you're working on whatever scene or piece or aspect of the game and um <laughs> something just doesn't look right i think is the term you use so like yeah like if it's like if it looks like it's basically if it's like if like a piece of art is missing or if a texture is missing or doesn't look correct uh-huh. or like oh this is obviously this is obviously something that they wouldn't want the player or whoever's playing the game 
to see. So, you know, that's something like, okay, I need to bug this, put this in the database, in the bug database, if it doesn't exist. That way the developers um, can uh, can fix it. Okay. But, like, right, right now, for me at least, um, I've been focused on that, like, a little bit, but I have other tasks that I've been given by um, people who I work with. And they're like, okay, can you, can you do this, this, and this? And um, that's actually... A, why I've been quite busy the this weekend, the past week, everything is just um, taking care of the ta- the top priority tasks I've been given and everything. So like I do what I just talked about. I do I do do some of that a little bit, but I have other higher task priorities that I have to take care of that mm-hmm. are have to do with art and animation. So that's basically where I'm at right now with my current job. All right. Yeah, see, that, that's the problem with uh, doing a good job is they just keep giving you more responsibilities. Yeah, like, uh, that, I, well, but that's the thing. I don't mind at all. Like, I actually enjoy having more responsibilities because it feels like, you know, it makes you feel like, you know, you're um, taking on more challenges and everything. Mm-hmm. And especially for this job, I'm, uh, like, as I probably said earlier, um, I'm actually, this is probably the best QA job I've had and I've only been working oh, this is excellent. only my what my third or fourth week working at this job probably my third week I think excellent yeah third or fourth third or fourth week working at this job and what I like about it is that you know I'm focusing mostly on art and animation and which you know is based on my field of interest and I've been given tasks like okay you know focus on this area then you know get back to us about this of does this look good or does this need to be shown of like okay this doesn't we need to change this or we need to fix this, you know, feedback mm-hmm. on it, stuff, et cetera. So, like, I've enjoyed it quite a bit since I get to f- I get to talk to people and focus more on what I would be interested in doing just instead of the, just the general aspect of just testing. Gotcha. Awesome. So stuff like, um, like a wall texture isn't rendering properly or a wall or a um, some type of surface animation it, just isn't rendering at all. It, that would it, it, be like, something like that. Basically, in my Lime experience, I've been I've been doing um I've been doing QA. This is will will be my fifth year entering QA. Uh, I've been doing QA on. It could be like, from my experience, it's been mostly like um if it's like two D or three D, it could be anything like um yeah like there's like a texture completely like missing if it's like, there's like a placeholder texture it's like okay that's obviously not supposed to be there maybe they maybe it's basically one of those it's basically one of those bugs that's like okay they know it's there and they haven't finished the art for it yet or if it's like oh we didn't know about good thank you for bugging us that way if we do have the art ready for it we can put it into the game engine and fix mm. that and gotcha. then like gotcha. uh, and then like you know it could be cutscenes like oh is it actually in there or does it look like um does it look like placeholder or concept art stuff like that you know um I would like, imagine the placeholders got to be tricky going through the it development. It can be it, it, like that's something you got to really pay attention to like if it's like a placeholder cuz sometimes it like sometimes it'll be really plain obvious if it's a placeholder or if it's like Sometimes there have been times where I've discovered bugs where the correct the the, the wrong texture is being used, um, like the item that you're looking like if it's like an item or something like that like the wrong texture will be used instead of the correct texture. So it's like if you notice that it's like okay you know that's a bug. This isn't the correct texture. This is a texture for a different item. So you gotta pay attention. Like with QA, it's like you have to make sure you have a good eye, a good observant eye. Mm-hmm. Make sure you can point out like okay that doesn't look right or you know okay that's not supposed to be happening so like 
Um, it's sometimes it's hard to uh, find all those different art bugs and stuff like that, or you know textures and etc. But um, like for three D, like perfect examples like other bugs um, besides art. <laughs> uh, you if you're in a three D world, if you fall through them, it's called a it's called a mesh object. If it's like the ground or like a wall or something, that's what like mm-hmm. that's um, that's what we use in three in three D terms is the mesh is like the three D object. And I've seen bugs. I worked on games that. You can basically fall through the mesh, so there's no collision. That's another right. term we use in 3D or in games. If there's no collision, basically the character will just fall straight through the 3D mesh object and go into like like an, an endless oblivion, basically, into the sky or into the right. background. So that's, and that's another bug. And then, yeah, uh, and that's basically where a lot of exploits would come into play, right? Yeah, like, <laughs> like that's basically what it is. Like the collision detection isn't set up, so you would have like the character would have some type of mesh for their feet or whatever yeah, um, exactly. that they rest on, and the floor and walls would be another mesh, and you're supposed to be able to, you know, when those mesh planes intersect, yeah. the computer's supposed to say stop that. Like, but, like, well, like, you have to correct all yeah. that in the game engine, but, like, I know when uh, when I was working on my first game, I, I worked at LucasArts for my first QA job. Okay. Um, and the, fir- the first game I ever worked on, um, it's funny because uh, there are, I wasn't really part of the, I wasn't part of this, but, like, I know some of my fellow co-workers, my former co- co-workers at the time, um, who were also in QA, <laughs> there were some, um, but some animation bugs having to do with uh, like with certain character models, which you know if they did like a certain animation, it looked funky or it doesn't look right. So basically, we, we, we it sucks that we didn't make a compilation video because it was hilarious as hell. <laughs> we we basically there was a bug that the their hands looked really ridiculous that you can make them look like uh, Michael Jackson and the zombies and Thrower going doo, doo, doo. and we're like we're like laughing our asses off doing this it's like is it are we serious about this and then they're like they were trying to make like a joke Olympics out of all these like um, animations that were broken oh, too and I was like oh my dear god why did we not make a, a video compilation of this by the time we left it was great like um that would be great for something to show like at the office Christmas party or end of the year yeah. party type of thing. Like, no, alright, our year in review and just like play that video. We we even had a couple bugs where um, we had one bug where that um, I'm pretty sure that the there was an animation that wasn't connected properly, it wasn't hooked up properly or whatever it was. And basically it made it look like it was like a some sort of like dysfunctional octopus or squid or something like that. And so basically every time the uh, character did an like a certain animation, it would cause that. Oh and like, man! And like we, it was confusing everyone for the longest time. We're like, what the hell is causing this? And finally, we looked deeper into this. They were like, okay, can QA finally you know look into this? And we we had to go like really deep into it. And I'm pretty sure what we found, what was the cause of it is, uh, we found somewhere in the code or wherever it was a certain line. Like I noticed, I was the one that noticed this like blinking red flash of text. I was like, okay, let's record this. And what is this that keeps blinking? Because eventually I think that led to them taking a look at maybe there was an animation that was broken. And then, or like, I don't know how all that works in the game engine or whatever it is. Basically, I think that's what led them to fixing that, an- to one of the animators, the lead animator, fixing that animation. And then basically once they f- fixed that animation that was broken, it quit doing that. And then uh, we even had... Um, 
some of the character models, uh, there was a bug. You couldn't see it unless you, um, went right, and unless you walked right into them. Basically, they would, there would be like a smaller head inside of the main head. And oh my like, god. What is this? So it's like, that's, it was, that's uh, freaky it was very, and hysterical very, at the same time. It was very, and very interesting bug, but, um, anyways, those are examples of, those mm. are just all examples of bugs. There are, there are so many more bugs, that, like, Oh, there's no, there's the weird stuff. Like, um, the, the weird people love to uh, people love to bash uh, Bethesda and all the bugs that occur in their games. But I've always said, and there's plenty of other people out there that are there with me. Those games are just excessively huge um, <laughs> with non-linear storylines and asynchronous quest lines. Like, yeah. you can't catch all the bugs, and they seem to be what? really good with. Uh, patching after the fact as people start reporting things like once the game gets released to the wild any thoughts on that here's the thing okay so I think this is what I was about to answer that because what I was about to say is that you know the funny thing is that some people complain about oh why don't they polish up the game or fix these bugs or why didn't they catch this before here's a like I don't mean to sound like I'm bragging or anything like here but someone who's almost had nearly five years of QA experience I've seen enough bugs throughout my time that it, that takes a lot of work to fix all those bugs like not all bugs are going to get fixed because if you try to fix a bug then that could cause another bug to happen and then they're like okay yep. we have to figure out how does how can we fix this bug and I don't think some of the general public here's the funny thing I don't think some of the general public understands how how game development works sometimes oh they definitely and don't they, and they make a big stink about it and I was like and I was along the line, I'm like, I don't think you know what the hell you're even talking about because you're coming. Oh, they didn't do this, this, and this. I'm like, okay, so there's basically there's they have a certain amount of time to get some bugs fixed, and there's also a certain deadline when the game is supposed to ship. Of, of course, you know, I'm I'm pretty sure that most game companies learned their lesson when Assassin's Creed Unity was released years ago, and right. That was broken as shit. Even though I don't, I don't own the game. And I've never played it, but that game was broken as hell. And mm-hmm. I'm sure many companies follow that example. And we're like, okay, that's why you started seeing all these delays because if they didn't do any of these delays, the game probably would have been unpolished and broken and unfinished. And another thing is, like, some people don't like. There's a there's a mix between this. Is that uh, some people don't understand that sometimes maybe it's a good thing for the developers to polish the game because what if you know, they ship, ship out the game and they're like, oh, I can't believe it's delayed again. Well, um, what if the game was broken and you couldn't play? It was unplayable. So right. what if they saved you, like, hours of agony? And there are some developers who have taken a longer period of time with some of this stuff. And essentially, they made their game kind of worse. But it's that's the risk at game development in this industry, yeah. like, in that industry. Well, like, that's the podcast that's, that's just, just the They seem to be warming up to the idea of just, just let them take whatever time they need. Exactly. Just, you know, just, well, first, be honest with us with how long it's going to take to develop the game. Um, because yeah. there's been a few times where it's beginning to feel that they'll announce uh, an estimated release date yeah, and then push it back and then push it back again. And it, and I understand the development process, but it seems like are they just using this as a tactic to keep the 
the game in the news and the headlines for an extended period of time. But um, no, absolutely. Take your time. Do it right. Yeah, uh, exactly. We've all seen what can happen with uh, with broken games. The one thing, though, that I would like, I would suggest to the, the to the game companies is that when you announce something, like announcing when you know, I don't know, like that's the that's the problem I've seen. Some of game companies, some game companies announce their games at a way too early day. Like, okay, we're planning on releasing it at this time, but then later on they find out they find out later down the down um, later down the road or later down the pipeline that's not possible because parts of the game parts of their game are broken. And like, okay, well, this is a game. This is a game breaker because we need to fix this right away, or else this is going. You know, this will annoy the basically this that would annoy the public or upset the public. And I think that's one that I agree with some of the general public about is game companies should um, they should basically put an estimate at ETA for a release date when they feel very confident or strong about their game or about their project. And be like, okay. It's looking really good so far. We haven't ran into any game-breaking bugs that would break this. And we're saying it is going to be released at this time because it's in pretty good shape. But the other part of the problem that I know is, and I kind of agree with this a little bit too, is I think some publishers or some of the higher-ups in some of these companies are like, oh, we want the game to be released at this time because they want you know the game to make money and all that other stuff. It's like, oh, it's all about the money. It's like, it's like... One thing I have to kind of agree with about because I've seen this online and I agree with it is don't rush the companies if the game is kind of broken. It's like, do you want to release a product that's broken and you'd piss off the public? Or do you want the developers to take their time and polish something up that way it's in a playable state? You know, think about right. this. It's not rocket science to figure this out. No. And we've been playing this game um, long enough or like companies have been, you know, doing this long enough, they should be able to be set realistic timetables. Yeah, like, like exactly. Like... All right, so um, I think you mentioned this once or twice, but uh, you do a little bit of streaming every now and then, yeah? Yep. Yeah, I do. I saw. I I actually streamed last night. I I streamed last night actually, but yeah, I I, I do stream. I can't. I haven't been able to stream as much because um, due to my new job, but I stream as much mm-hmm. as I can. Hey, so what are you streaming right now? What are you working on? I am streaming. I've been streaming Dark Souls three recently. Oh, you poor bastard! <laughs> oh, may mercy, ha- may God have mercy on my soul. <laughs> oh man! So, unfortunately, given time restrictions and responsibilities that are life, I have not got into the Dark Souls series except for one brief. Uh, death sequence i guess i'll call it <laughs> years ago i think it was like dark Soul. the first dark souls was like free on xbox live or something like that and i'm like hmm i should give this a try see what all the talk is about <laughs> and um i eventually made it through like the intro basically mm-hmm. like i, I yeah. eventually made it through that um i get to the first main area i'm in this <laughs> courtyard i'm like okay time to actually do something now and i for the next half hour, I proceed to get my ass whipped time and time again by a freaking skeleton. <laughs> oh, I, know, I know that feeling way too well. I know that feeling way too I'm well. Like, uh, Dark Souls shows no mercy to anyone. It doesn't give a no, shit what you feel. It doesn't. 
Oh my! Like recently, there's been a meme popping around where yeah, I think it's Link, and uh, he's like, "I'm going to go on an adventure," and he goes into his first dungeon, and you have this like stylized skeleton. He's like, "I'm going to go out against my first bad guy," and the skeleton just like rams against the wall and like skewers him straight through and says, "Welcome to Dark Souls, bitch!" And <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, it's, that's basically how it goes." Uh, they so, show no uh, mercy whatsoever. So, so speaking of Dark Souls and you know Dark Souls three, like the funny thing when I was streaming it last night, like recently I just started putting sound effects. Like I recently learned how to add sound effects commands to my some of my commands that I've made. Oh, and, nice. Uh, and I also um, my my friend Will, who I have known for about ten years now, we met back in college. He's been commenting. Mm-hmm. He's been doing commentary and everything he's been talking while i've been streaming and my friend our friend david's also been talking when he's available too and um i need to highlight actually i need to go on to twitch and highlight this later on <laughs> so at the most ridiculous thing had me last night on dark souls 3 so i killed um i killed one of the bosses and then i'm like okay i'm out of, i'm out of this area i'm in the next area and so right when i have like a little like a very s- small amount of health after i use all my flasks Mm-hmm. I am alive and everything, and then I have someone who invades my realm. You know, like those invaders that invade your realm to try to kill you. I was <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, I'm like, it's right after I lit the bonfire, and I'm like, oh no, no, you are not doing no, this to no, me right no, now. No, 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 no. <laughs> and so, basically, he proceeded to chase me. I basically we were around this uh this uh this fountain or this water fountain. Like it had no water, but like it was just basically a fountain. So we we're playing basically playing right around the rosy. For thirty minutes, basically, I think, oh and he was chasing—he was chasing me, like he was a hunter, and I was the prey, and he <laughs> was destined to kill me. There was a couple times where he tried to—he tried to fake me out <clears throat> by hiding behind a piece of mesh that way, like he would try to hide in an angle that way it looked like he wasn't hiding there, but he was hiding on the other side of the fountain. I, and I just had to look at him, like, okay, I'm like, where is he? And I'm like, okay, you tricky, you sneaky little bastard. I see you. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not moving. Like, you know, he's, he was, he was got me a couple times, but luckily I was like, oh crap. You know, again, I'm like running around and while I've been doing this, my, uh, Will was laughing his ass off because he's like, oh my God, this is hilarious. And the guy tried to shoot a bullet. He tried to shoot me with a bow and arrow too, to try to do a range attack. I was like, I know what you're trying to do and you're not going to shoot me with a bow and arrow. So I, and then he went onto the bridge to try to do a longer, to do a, like, either a longer shot or trying to re-strategize. Oh, I'm like, determined. Good luck with that. And I'm like, I'm like, well, and then he was adamant about killing me. Finally, when I was trying to do a different tactic, I'm like, okay, I'm going to leave around this time. I'm like, I'm like, is he ever going to just stop, leave me alone? So basically, I'm like, okay, enough of this ring around the rosy crap. So I basically broke that cycle. And then he, <laughs> he was, we were going back and forth on this one piece of structure he tried throwing throw, throwing eyes at me. I'm like, you can't be serious right now. So he, I dodged those. I threw a firebomb at him just trying to see if, like, okay, is he going to leave me alone if I throw a firebomb? And then he was able to get a couple hits into me later on. I had, like, one speck of health left, like, one pixel of health, of health left. I was still alive. And I kept doing Ring Around the Rosie again for another 15 minutes. And then finally later on, he finally killed me when I didn't see where he was. I'm like, okay. You happy you do, Schwad? You finally killed me. I was like, and this went on for 30 minutes. I was like, Jeez. all of that just to kill me? I'm like, was it worth it? <laughs> I, was, I, was like, I was like, I've never seen someone so adamantly killing someone in Dark Souls 3. I was like, I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, that's intense. 
looked like he got all my souls back, and I was just like, oh, thank God. Oh, thank God. <laughs> just like, but, uh, yeah, so that was my experience last night with it. I was like, oh, my God. So we're going to move on to some other stuff. Sure. Um, now, normally I would do a bit of tech news to start this uh, podcast off or for this next section of the podcast. But we've got an interesting one going on. This is from The Guardian. And it is titled, Why Grown-Ups Should Play More Video Games. So <laughs> this it's kind of funny. Or excuse me. Seven reasons why grown-ups should play more video games. So like, we're just going to... like. Hit, hit the bullet points. Uh, like I said, sure. you, you and I, we're, we're, we're out of our teens at this point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're, exactly. we're, I'm well out of my teens. Well out of my teens. But, I, um, I, I, I'm well out of my, I've been out of my teens for like set, almost eight years now, or like eight or nine, eight or nine years, so. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm farther than that. But, um, <laughs> it's been interesting with, you know, my generation and right around, uh, my generation, because we are at like the cusp, um, the transition point of pre and post video game era type of thing. So, I mean, by the time I, you know, became of age, console games were like well in the, uh, in the mainstream and, uh, commonplace everywhere. Mm-hmm. And as myself and my brethren got older, it's like, well, games matured with us. Yeah. And, they're our hobby. So why are we going to give up our hobby? And for the most part, and I don't think this is mentioned um, in this article in particular, but um, and I've said this repeatedly, and I'm finally getting some more people to agree with me as you know, I explain the plot lines of certain games. Games have better stories than like 90 to 80% of what's on TV, to tell you the truth. <laughs> yeah, like... I like you know the funny thing is like <clears throat> games have definitely evolved since when we were young. Like I remember like when I was young, like the first system I ever played on was like the Nintendo, the NES. Like you know I played Super Mario Brothers and Doug. Oh god, I love the NES gun. That was a that was amazing <laughs> to, to just shoot and uh, to shoot and to point and click on the TV. That was a great that was a great first yeah, combo right. game. But, um, <clears throat> but yeah, I definitely agree that games have definitely evolved over time. Like they've evolved from just like you know side scrolling to like 3D and then now we have VR and all this other stuff and more types of genre games or you know types of games are being developed it's mm-hmm. definitely it's definitely evolved and expanded the, like definitely in the past like 20 years or more like it's oh, crazy yeah. how it's evolved and the <clears throat> the funny thing is like you know what's been on TV is like the funny thing speaking of TV like um a lot of people I've seen, a lot of people annoyed with how much like new content that's being all put on the cable TV on cable networks. It's not that good of content because it's like the, the same rehash or something that's already been done, and they're like, "Well, we don't want this. We want something different and original." Yeah, and thus, like I've enjoyed, you know, I've enjoyed my fair share of Law and <clears throat> Order and yeah. a bunch of the crime dramas. Uh, but how many times can you rehash the same concept where exactly. all you do is change the cast and change the city that it takes place in? You know, it's how many more ways can we think up of uh, creating a murder mystery yeah, for, like, for a half yeah, hour, an hour long segment? Like, it's, it's been done. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's there are like perfect examples of law and order. And then there's also um, 
NCIS and all that other stuff, all the like current like all the yeah. criminal minds and everything like some of the shows have like over like ten to twenty seasons, like how many different cases can you that's do before lot. this is going to That's done? a like, lot of seasons. What? And those are like the spin-offs. I think NCIS was actually a spin-off of JAG, which was another like crime military drama. <clears throat> yeah. So <clears throat> spin-offs of spin-offs at this point. But um getting back to this article, uh one thing that might be surprising, the first reason why more adults should play video games is they're economical. And I really have to agree with that statement after after you get all over the initial cost of purchasing a console or platform to play the games on. Uh-huh. So, for example, I play on the Xbox One at this point. Yeah. And being the alpha consumer that I am, I you know purchased the day one version of it all, so I spent my $500 on an Xbox One. But yeah. after that, <laughs> you know, after that, you pay, even if you're paying top dollar for a game that's first release so you get $60 the amount of gameplay and the amount of entertainment that you get out of that $60 is massive yeah. in comparison to what else you can do you know the funny thing is like speaking of indie games and all this other stuff like there are a couple of things like it can be economical like I can completely agree like especially with games like you know open world like huge open world games like you know Elder Scrolls and mm-hmm. Fallout and everything like that even though it's $60, you have so much content to play with. Like, it's insane. It's like insanity land of how much content you like. I know I have seen some people who have played, like, who have had over 100 or 200 hours um, playing on a single game. Like, I don't have that type of time anymore. Like, I will just go through the biggest order of the anymore. We're all screwed up. I have easily put, yeah, I have easily put in over 100 hours in previous Fallout and Elder Scrolls games in the past. I mean, that's not not even trying, absolutely. And uh, this also this article also mentions uh, Witcher, um, yeah. particularly Witcher 3. I mean, that's another huge game. Uh, Dragon Age Inquisition had like 200-something hours. Those and, are two uh, games I don't have, but I have the previous entries of Dragon Age and of um, The Witcher, which I still didn't get to. Problem, yeah. problems, I just haven't enough time. I just haven't like I'm kind of like at my point in my life that I'm trying to build up my career and everything, and I do play some video games, but I'm not able to put as much time into those as I want yeah. to. Even though I'm a video gamer at heart and everything, and it's my passion. But it's just like sometimes when you when you become an adult, you have other <laughs> priorities you have, to take, you have to take care of. Oh yeah, you have to pay bills. You have to take care of other yeah. stuff, and then you stuff in your personal life. Something stuff that like. Especially stuff that you haven't experienced. Like, you're only young once. Do stuff while you're in your 20s and 30s or in your teenage years. Don't, like... It's, like... As much as I love video games, enjoy doing other stuff in my life, too. Like, you know, people who I want to spend time with. Stuff that I want to Mm -hmm. get myself exposed to. Stuff that, like... That I wouldn't probably, like, have as much energy or be in shape for, like, when I'm, like, in my, like... 40s or 50s or something. So, right. Like, and that's something but, I've mentioned on this uh, podcast several times before. As much as I do love me video games, um, I do have a wife. Uh, I now have yeah. a child, and I do have a career that I'm developing. And um, exactly. I will not, I refuse to let my video gaming habit, my hobby, uh, interfere with that. I mean, I will talk it up. I mean, in my opinion, gaming has evolved into a, a uh, an art form. But yeah. it's it's escapism, it's a hobby, 
I thoroughly enjoy this hobby, but you know, I I refuse to let it take over my life and uh, cause stress elsewhere. But um, so yeah, you get a lot of uh, content out of this, and they even mentioned Destiny. I'm afraid to look into how much time I've put into <laughs> Destiny. <laughs> oh, Destiny! I'm sure there are tons of people who put tons of hours in oh, that. Oh, there's yeah. I mean, you talk, talk about put a hundred hours into a game. I've got weeks. Worth of game time in that thing, but um, yeah, it's oh. surprisingly economical once you get over the initial you know platform. Yeah. So uh, moving on, a couple uh, things. One thing I, one thing I just oh, want to add. One thing I just want to add before yeah, we'll uh, we'll move on here in a second. The one thing I want to add is about indie games is that there are some indie games that I played in the past that are like. They're all right, but they didn't have a whole. They either didn't have a good concept or had, didn't have a whole lot of content. So I'm like, okay, this is boring as crap. Or mm-hmm. there's some indie games that I played that are so well done that like that are only twenty or like maybe twenty or thirty dollars. And I'm like, and it was so worth it because oh, yeah. it was such. It was so beautifully well done. I'm like, those are the type of games to make that actually make sense, and actually have a plot, and actually have interesting characters. And interesting story and everything. That was the type of games I like to play. There were some games that, oh, let's just pull something out of our ass and hopefully it works. Like, that's not how games work. Like, you have to have something no. that actually interests people. But that's all I really want to Yeah, when you get into, about. like, the indie scene, that's where you, they get into, like, more of the artistic expression because they can take those risks that the AAA companies um, aren't willing to take. And not yeah. because, like, oh, we can't, you know, take a risk on that. It's like, well, they're a business. You know, they're going to be investing millions of dollars into this game. They need to make sure that it's going to appeal to the masses. And, um, one, and one last thing I want to add to it too is, and then we can uh, move on is, um, like some, like I especially played some indie games at TwitchCon last year, and there were some games that it made me feel like I was playing. Like I played at both TwitchCon and E3. There were some indie games that. Or showcase that have been showcased that it made me feel like I was playing in like the NES or SNES era again because it was that much fun. Like it was that addicting. I was like, oh my god, I forgot that like feeling of addictedness to a game like that. It's like oh like, yeah, and it's like all these like deja vu memories. And I'm like I can like kind of semi remember when I was like you know I was like 12 or 13 years old or I was like younger than that when I was playing these. I was like, and I just felt like a, like a little kid again. I was like, oh my god! But like, but that's <laughs> what I wanted to say about that. But yeah, we're we're actually going to touch on that a little bit. But um, I'm going to skip around this article a little bit. Sure. The next one I want to talk about is they tell us where technology is going, and this is something where um, I've also brought up in personal conversations. Uh, we mentioned VR uh, yeah. a little bit before. Um, I guarantee you, the gaming industry is going to be leading the way in VR because. They're going to be the ones who are going to innovate the different methods. They're going to be able to roll their product out to a wide variety of people exactly. and roll it out to the masses. Yeah. And they're going to be able to get that much feedback that much um, more efficiently, that much quickly. Or I'm not sure if I'm using language correctly there, <laughs> but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that and like some coworkers of mine we were talking about how these. Uh, filmmakers are making these amazing aerial photos and videos and uh with these uh remote drones and quadcopters you know throw a gopro why don't you do stuff and um this guy's wearing a gopro uh, on his head and so he's filming the whole thing and uh they you know he looks down and you can see him holding the the control 
uh, controller for the drone. And I was like, I looked at it and I had him like pause the video. I said, look at that. That right there, that is modeled exactly after a PlayStation or Xbox controller. As far as uh-huh. like the, the twin thumbsticks are concerned and the placement of additional buttons. Um, so like, as far as games are concerned and pushing technology, they've established a HUD. You know, they've established the an interface that works with your hands that yeah. you can have access to a whole variety of um, inputs and yeah. done so in a comfortable and logical way. Um, I've also, on? speaking of VR, like I've noticed, like I haven't seen any Twitchers do this recently, but I know like some Twitch streamers, a couple of them I know. Um, this was like sometime last year or whenever it was. They actually started streaming, uh, playing some very you know basic VR games, like nothing that like we see right now. But some very basic like you know VR games, like oh my god, like what type of environment I in am I in? And and like I have like I've been kind of impressed with the VR a little bit. Like to me at least, I'm gonna wait until VR improves a little bit more before mm-hmm. I basically buy it or purchase it because I'm pretty sure it's a lot of money and I'm sure that like I want them to fix like bugs or something that people were like you know people so like motion sickness or anything like that like mm-hmm. I don't think I honestly don't think I've gone ever gone motion sickness I don't think I get motion motion sickness that easily not that I can think of or I'm aware of but I definitely want them to polish it up more and I want to like wait like a, maybe at least a year or more before okay. I consider spending my time um, buying VR and investing into a game and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah the higher end headsets are pretty costly, but um, depending on what you get um, or what you're you know, looking for, if you just want to experiment with it a little bit, most smartphones can handle basic VR functions with yeah. the use of a really cheap and inexpensive headset. I mean, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Google Cardboard. Are you familiar with that initiative? Um, I haven't heard of uh, Cardboard, actually. Uh, okay. Google Cardboard. So we actually, at the house, we actually have a couple because my wife is going to use some of the Google VR um, aspects as um, some learning tools in some of her classes. Uh-huh. Uh, never really got around to it, but um, so Google Cardboard, it was developed obviously by Google, and what they do is they'll send you this like flat box. And it's it's basically a few sheets of cardboard, but they're perforated, and uh-huh. it's basically a kit that you fold the cardboard up and around, and you turn it into goggles. Like they come with additional lenses and a strap and stuff. Yeah. And it's basically a piece of cardboard that you can fold together into a box and throw a strap onto, and slide your Google smartphone or your Android smartphone into the visor. And it acts as a very low-cost VR headset. And it actually works pretty well. Wow. Um, for like $15, $20, something like that. Holy crap. That's very cheap to compare to what like Sony and other companies are asking for, for VR like, headsets. It's like, they're, like, they're, asking right, for, like, so... they're asking for like $300 or $400 or $500 or something. Oh, geez. These are... All right, so they've come down in price. I see some of the stuff on eBay for like $2. But if I was to go to Google Cardboard, 
Oh, yeah, like ten dollars, twelve dollars, fifteen dollars. Like yeah, very cheap. Well, and and here's the thing you need, need to realize: the reason why it's so cheap is because it's strictly just the viewer. And the same thing with a, a few other uh, third-party products, where it's like twenty, thirty, forty dollars. They are yeah. simply the viewer. You still need to put a smartphone into the visor, and it's actually the smartphone that is doing all the uh, the heavy lifting and the processing it's, it's cra- for it all. It's it's, cra- it's crazy of. I still remember it's crazy how much like technology has developed and like the has evolved and developed in the past ten or more years because like I still remember when um before smartphones were like officially being developed, like I still remember having a flip phone, I still remember having mm-hmm. like one of those phones that it was not really a flip phone, but it had a keyboard on it and so basically you could text and stuff like that using that keyboard and then basically right after that generation is when they started like I still remember the generation where it was the phones with the, either a key, yeah, with a keyboard on it, like actual buttons. That way you can actually type really fast. And mm-hmm. then eventually, once that was that was around for a little while, and then they eventually just developed the smartphone where you can have the keyboard on the screen because then the smartphone could you you know you can scroll through um, all different pages. But it's crazy how much like technology has come like you know, especially with smartphones and how much you can do with you know what you can do with them and especially with vr and like everyone like almost everyone has like a smartphone now like they're like there's probably like no like flip phones or like keyboard phones anymore like mm. if, the, if, they, if those are even around they're probably like in a junk pile right now it's like oh well uh, if you brought that to a store it's like well we can't really help you with that because uh, we mainly deal with smartphones now. So, right. I mean, there's still a few for the low cost stuff, um, yeah. but yeah, it's smartphones are all over the place, and basically, you just need to, um, yeah, to experiment with VR. Is you get one of these super cheap visors, throw your smartphone into it, and it can do some basic stuff, and yeah. this will help you like just get used to it or dip into it. And if you're a developer. Um, you can start just toying around and getting used to the uh, the concept of working oh, the with, question, in a VR space. The question I would have for that is, does it drain the battery a lot from the smartphone? Oh, it's gotta. Is there, there's <laughs> plenty like, of process. Like, like, how much does, uh, what toll does this take on the battery of the, of the phone? Because like, I know there are quite a few apps out there that will take up a chunk, a big chunk of the battery on mm-hmm. a smartphone, like especially when I use my GPS, like I use Google Maps a lot for my for my GPS for all my phone, and if I leave that sucker running for a while, it will chew up like it'll easily chew up like twenty or thirty percent of my phone within like an hour. Or like like it will go from like a hundred percent or like ninety five percent down to like seventy or sixty percent within like. I'm not maybe an hour or maybe a little more than that. I don't really know the statistics or numbers accurately for that, but those suckers chew up fast. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Um, so battery technology also needs to make some improvements. I actually have a uh, an, a Verizon um, Turbo, and uh, it has got a fantastic like the battery on it is massive. Oh um, nice. But uh, still, yeah. It's, once you start throwing a, some a few additional apps on there, especially if they're like constantly seeking the internet to get updates and whatnot, yeah. Um, it it, it doesn't matter how big your battery is. If I start playing a game on it or something for any experience or for oh, any yeah. extended amount of time, yeah, the the battery's gonna get drained. The, mo- the just- mo- mobile games will can definitely chew up a lot of the battery, like a lot of the battery on a phone, like. 
they're like I think I'm not sure if I actually did this or not on my on my on my phone. I'm pretty sure I turn off the setting, which it's well, actually I think it still does. Actually, I thought I turned off the the option to auto download all the updates because there are some apps I simply don't use on my phone because I literally don't care about it, and mm-hmm. I only update the apps I use on a regular basis. And I hate when it's like, oh, I'm doing auto update for this phone for this app. I'm like, I don't care. I don't use that app like at all. But like maybe I should just uninstall it or something like that. You know. Right. So. Uh, let's see what else we got on here. And there's one more. The last one on this list. They're fun. Video games are fun, and I wholeheartedly agree with this. I want, uh, I want, I agree with that ten thousand yeah, percent. Yeah. Well, uh, we we have a guy who's hosting a video game podcast and uh, interviewing a guy who does video game streaming. So yeah, we're gonna agree with that statement. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're the, there's there's no, there's gonna be no disagreements here. So no, no, not not at all. Um, but like in, in the serious sense. Back to when I mentioned how they've got better storylines than most of what's on TV. Not only do they have better storylines, but it's active. Um, it's active participation. So yeah. even when you have like the the hallway simulators or walking simulators, where you're just walking around a room during like some downtime within the the narrative of the game, and it's like your spouse in the game says, "Oh, honey, can you go get me that that object on the table over there?" And you just kind of walk across the room, press A to. Yeah pick the object up, walk back over, press the button again to hand it over to him. Like, even that little bit, it's actively putting you into the game. It's making you a part of what's yeah. happening um, in the narrative itself. Even just that slight little bit, because the the opposite of that, or the, um, the converse of that, is to sit back and passively you know, consume whatever is happening on the screen. Yeah. So, I mean, immersion in games has become just incredibly significant. Uh, the, in this article, they're oh, showing yeah. a scene from GTA V, which, by the way, once you get past the you know the ridiculousness of it all, GTA has an amazing storyline and dips into society's tropes. I saw I saw some, I I remember testing GTA V when I worked at PlayStation like a few years ago. I don't mm-hmm. have the actual games. I haven't had the money to buy it. And I don't really have the time to play it it either that much because it's so much content but <clears throat> I remember like GTA 5 is pretty cool like I actually enjoyed when I tested it like I enjoyed playing some of it it was actually pretty cool and then I remember like I remember back in the day when I played the hell out of GTA 3 and I remember when I did like the, the cheat commands where like I would just somewhat oh. <laughs> wreak havoc and I just do so much damage that I would cause the military to go after me. It was so much fun just pissing them off so much. And I'm like, well, I'm going to shoot you down. So I shot down like a helicopter. I shot down another tank. And if I need to, I just spawn another tank until they kill me and stuff like that. It was like, it was so much fun just pissing yeah, off. That's the thing. You could swing it either way. You can go th- through the narrative. You can, you know, experience the storyline, experience, you know, the the situations and the concepts yeah. that the writers and developers want you to, you know, partake in, or you can just lay waste to the city and just have at it. Like the, so the one much thing fun. I do miss, the, the the one thing I do miss out of video games a little bit, unless I just haven't played that many games that I have it, is I miss things like you know when you could use Game Shark or use use Game Genie or like when you can input codes from the actual controller into the game and then it would oh. do something. 
I miss those is... days. I, I miss those days <sighs> so much. I was like, that was so much fun back in the day, and I haven't seen anything like that in like ten to fifteen years, maybe. What happened to that part of game development where the developers let you play the hell out of you and have so much fun that you'd you know laugh your ass off at the time of your life that one day just playing that game and just like wrecking havoc if you wanted to like in a game like GTA three or something like what happened to that like that part I I that part I enjoyed a lot back in the day. Ooh, ooh, I think I found it. Um, there actually is. Here's this the one. Uh, it's not the same one. I'm going to see if I can find it. I'll make a little note. But there's okay. actually like a long article about why there's no more cheat codes. Mm-hmm. And it actually goes into that. Oh, fury right now. Um, yeah, but yeah, there's actually like an article out there. But, um, basically, they used... Uh, cheat codes were originally used so that developers could get like through the game quicker to get to a specific yeah. area in the game so they could debug that. Oh, you know, like they don't well they don't really do that in the, they don't really they don't use cheat codes or anything anymore in the game. Like you basically there's like a debug menu basically that you right. use to get to parts of the game. So there's no there's no reason to. And um, that could be part of the reason why it's like just because there's a debug. There's just no point. That and once you start getting the game genie in there people just like, you know, bastardize the game to high hell anyway. Basically what it is is people just want to, nice and quick, they don't want it to be like, oh, I input this letter, I input this number, I input this code. They want it nice and fast just like that, and that way they don't have to waste any more time. Like that's the one thing is like there's sometimes there's like I feel like there's no there's they just don't, there's no like no patience for them. It's like this is a generation that like we want something fast and you know, that's just the way that it's leaned towards and mm-hmm. just because the way that games have evolved and how technology has evolved throughout the years, it's not the way it used to be. And it, that could be like, you know, it could have some good points, it could have some bad points, but like, for some of us who have grown, who grew up in that generation, I think that's just something we kind of have to sort of kind of accept and like, okay, we have to accept that we don't live in the NES or SNES or the N64 era anymore, mm-hmm. even though, even though that era, those eras were classic. That was in the past, and we have to look at the future, and the, the present and the future now, and that's like where technology is heading now, so... Yeah, I'll see if I can find it because these these articles I'm finding, they're not they're not the ones I remember, mm. or it's not the article I remember. I'll see if I can find it. I'll do what I can. This is this, is, this is not the article you're looking for. This Jedi. is not the article I am looking for at all. For <laughs> sweep. Quick interlude for the middle of this. For you, the listeners of the Video Game Crosstalk podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. All you have to do is go to audibletrial.com slash vgxtpod and sign up for your free trial and download one of over 180,000 titles, such as Fever Dream by George R.R. Martin. When struggling riverboat captain Abder Marsh receives an offer of partnership from a wealthy aristocrat, he suspects something's amiss. But when he meets the hauntingly pale, steely-eyed Joshua York, he is certain. For York doesn't care that the icy winter of 1857 has wiped out all but one of Marsh's dilapidated fleet. Nor does he care that he won't earn back his investment in a decade. York has his own reasons for wanting to traverse the powerful Mississippi. 
and they are to be none of Marsh's concern, no matter how bizarre, arbitrary, or capricious his actions may prove. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash vgxtpod for your free audiobook. Now, I'm actually reading this book right now, and it is basically, to give you a bit of a spoiler, it's basically Vampires on the Mississippi. And it's by George R.R. <laughs> R. Martin, so have at it. That explains everything. <laughs> that explains it all. all I'm right. like, oh my <laughs> it's actually wow. a really good. It's actually a really good book. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I might have to read though. I I might have to read it though. I'm not. I'm like. I'm not that much. Of, I'm not that much of a reader. But I might have to read that now. That sounds pretty interesting. All right. So moving on to some gaming news, and we're running a bit long right now. Sure. So I'm just gonna skip right to the main topic for tonight. Sure. Uh, we are recording this. Okay, well, it's actually telling me February 1st right now because it's uh, after midnight where I am. But um, we're recording this on January 31st, and it is 20 years since the release of Final Fantasy VII. And I'm currently playing Final Fantasy XV right now. So, Mach, you've got Final Fantasy VII as your header on your Twitter page. Yes. Still there? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So let's just uh, finish off this podcast, finish off this section, uh, which is a little bit of fanboy action. Um, So you have picked up Final Fantasy XV, but you have not yet been able to play it, correct? Sorry, sorry, I I was I was made a fan fan uh, fan reaction, but sorry, repeat that again. Okay, Um, so you have actually picked up Final Fantasy XV, but you have not yet been able to play it, correct? No, I have not. I have not had the time to play it yet, but I do it have the game. It is fantastic. I'll let you know awesome. that right now. That is my <laughs> my so called authoritarian <laughs> assessment of it all. My authoritarian. Um, yeah, it it is fantastic. Um, it is a completely fresh new take on the Final Fantasy franchise. Uh, yeah. They are still staying true to quite a few of the roots while modernizing it. Because I mean, let's be honest the the classic turn-based system, uh, it, it just doesn't apply to today's modern, at least here in yeah. the West. It just, that style has gone gone away. Yeah. <clears throat> Everything's much more action-based. Um, a lot of shooters. A lot of shooters. Yeah. Or third-person shooters. A lot of shooters. Lots of shooters. Um, so, they've made this much faster-paced. Uh, but still feels like a Final Fantasy game, even though it's been modernized. But um, uh, what have been some of your uh, favorite mo- moments in the Final Fantasy franchise? Some of my favorite moments, huh? Like, are we talking yeah. about like, very specific moments in some Final Fantasies, like this specific scene or something like that? Or, oh, yeah, sure. Or, you know, anything? Uh, any, any fond memories? Oh, okay. Um, let's see. Uh, let me uh, pick... Uh, let me pick through the timeline here. Um, so let's see. You got a few to choose from. So there, there are quite a few I could choose from here, actually. So, Final Fantasy. We'll start with Final Fantasy VII, which is probably by far one. It's either my favorite or one of my favorite Final Fantasy, one of my favorite Final Fantasy games I've ever played. Love the storyline, and characters, and everything. So, I guess my favorite moments would be like, um, my favorite moments would be like. The first mission, I guess, like that you fight, that you play, like when you have, when you're playing as Cloud and Barrett, like when you're fighting the red, the Guardian Scorpion, you're doing your first mission and everything. Mm-hmm. You get the sense of the characters. 
uh, and just the way that they act and stuff like that, just like the way that Barrow's like, I don't, I, he has this basically this attitude like, I don't give no shit what you think. So, <laughs> uh, and, and then, um, and then he's like, he's like, I own your, like, he's like basically he's like, he's like, just his attitude and Claude's like, whatever, I don't, I don't give a damn right now. Like, you know, his, his basic attitude at that point in the game. Mm-hmm. And so, so, uh, moving along from that, uh, my other favorite moments probably are when you go, um, have to go rescue Eris or Eris or however you want to pronounce her name, depending on the version, from Shinra headquarters. Um, when you go do an assault on Shinra headquarters and you have Cloud, Tifa, and Barrett, and you're like, basically, you're like, okay, we're gonna kick Shinra's ass and basically go rescue her. So I liked I liked that moment when it felt like okay let's go do some good and then the motorcycle chase which had excellent music I love that like cloud mm-hmm. wearing, uh, cloud riding a motorcycle and everything yeah that was pretty I love awesome. that part and then um what else do I, did I like uh, Did you play any of the older games I have on um, like are we talking about before Final Fantasy seven oh yeah. Um, okay, so to did go... Did you dip back into the retro or the, the golden age of RPGs to, to, at all? To go, to go backwards in time with this, um, I have played Final Fantasy VI, which I enjoyed, I enjoyed that quite a bit. The characters and the story were pretty good. I know that's been considered a lot of people's favorite Final Fantasy game, like... And yeah, I enjoyed a lot, but... Sorry. Basically, what? it seems to be, like, either six or seven... Sometimes yeah, eight. Like, oh, like, people who say that eight is their favorite, I, I'm just going to say that they're wrong. Uh, eight, <laughs> eight was but, um, good. I enjoyed the game, but it's nowhere near my favorite. It had yeah. a good story and good characters, but the way they did it was different. And it wasn't necessarily bad. It just the way they made it was different, and I didn't. I enjoyed it, but it was no. It's nowhere near my top favorite. But um, yeah. So, Fantasy like, uh, Six had good story and good characters. Took me a little bit longer to finish it than the other ones. Um, and then Fantasy Five, I'm pretty sure that yeah, I was with Bart's and the rest of them. That yeah. had a really good story. I really enjoyed that one too. Fantasy Four was another good one. Um, and I think Fantasy like it was a mix between like Fantasy Three and Two and everything were like either like they were the same game released in a different. Um, area or something that were different region. It was weird with those games, but four, five, and six I did play. Those were all good. Six mm. was pro- six was probably better than four and five, and then I enjoyed five more than four. Mm. And then I never I never beat the first Final Fantasy. That I remember I tried that when I was younger, and that was an absolute like nightmare to even play more. That you know, I was like, you know, what? I'm like the hell with this game. <laughs> Maybe I'll get back yeah. to it someday. Um, but uh, the only two I have not played would be. Uh, Final Fantasy 2 and 3. Those are the ones I have not played. I was actually able to play Final Fantasy 5 on my phone. I was able to get through that. Um, and like, from what I've seen is basically it all depends on where you enter the Final Fantasy series. As yeah. Whether it's going to be Final Fantasy 6 or 7 are people's favorites. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so us older folks tend to like uh, Final Fantasy 6 more than 7. And mm-hmm. I mean, in that one... I just remember, like, they were just pushing the limits of what the Super Nintendo uh, could handle at the time. Yeah. Like, um, I remember going through, like, the forest. 
Oh, was it the the Dark Force? I don't remember exactly what it's called. Uh, Phantom Force, maybe. Oh, with the Phantom Train, yeah. I, I with think the I'm Phantom right. Train, yeah. And you'd see the background of like this uh, this pond in the middle of the forest, and just that pond just looks so beautiful, and um, the artwork and some of the battle sequences and some of the bosses was just amazing. Um, and I remember in the in the afterworld when Kefka took over. Yeah. Oh God. Um, we would like drop my, like my brother and I would play it together. Like we two, you know, kids sitting on the couch, you know, playing a video game. And, uh, we stop, we find Cyan, meet up with him. Yeah. And we spend the night in his old destructed castle. And uh-huh. we actually had to go into his dream consciousness to go rescue Cyan. And I remember him and I both just looking like, oh, my God. Like, this is crazy. You know, oh, and um, oh, sorry, go ahead. And, uh, it, I remember, like, once we um, completed, like, the first half of the game, I remember it just felt like a full game. Like, we were battling Gishtal and Kefka and the Atma weapon. And we're like, this feels like the the end of a game and yeah. then all of a sudden you know it just the world ended and we woke up again and the world was destroyed and yeah, we're like, like, like when oh you see God. the world ruined that's what that's called when he takes over like when you see what he's done it's like this guy's a freaking madman like yeah. just the amount of damage that he did it's in, he's in, he's an insane lunatic like he yeah he's pretty consistently ranked up there as one of the like the greatest final fantasy villains like between him and Sephiroth oh and, again um, between yeah, yeah. 6 and 7 of being like the best of the franchise oh um, um also when you talk about uh, consciousness and everything i don't remember i don't remember that part as well cuz it's been a while i need to play final fantasy 6 again Maybe I'll stream it. Uh, maybe I'll stream it someday. Is right. um, I remember the part in Bombazi Seven, which is a pretty cool part, where the section where Cloud, you know, when you're up in the northern crater for the first time, and then he gets sucked into the live stream, and then he has so much uh, Mako poison that he can't talk very well and he can't move, so you you can't use him temporarily. But then when you go into his consciousness, when you go into the live stream and into his consciousness to help restore him. That was so awesome to be able to see what type of person um, he, what type of person he really was because as some people might not know, uh, when you like, when you're in his consciousness, you're basically helping him restore his memories of what his true persona was because at the very beginning, very beginning of the game, right. you don't know that, um, unless, another game I need to finish is uh, Final Fantasy VII Crisis Core which basically explains what happens to him is that at the very beginning of the game, he basically his mentality or his psyche is destroyed because he's had so much terrifying shit happen to him. Like you know, nibble him, nibble him was destroyed by Sephiroth. You know, his mo- his mother and everyone was killed, and then his best friend Zach was basically gunned down by the Shinra oh, army. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, um, and you learn all that in Crisis Core, which I need I need pitch, but I watch this on YouTube, and it's so heartbreaking to see him. Like the moment you see him just fucking lose in it, and his mind shatters in the cinematic, and then that's where at least the following season where he thinks he's he's a person like Zach, and um, and everything. That's where his his mind is twisted and warped because 
he could handle all the pressure from all the tragedies. Plus, also, when he was being experienced, like, as soon as Nibblehim was destroyed, him and Zack were experimented on for about four years by Hojo. So that also, Maka, the Maka poison, the Nibblehim's destruction, and Zack, who was gunned down in front of them, all contributed to him basically shattering his mind. And then what was really, I thought was really cool to get back to the main point was when you're in his consciousness in the live stream, when you're fitting all the pieces together of what happened to him when he was a kid and how he admired Tifa and all this other mm-hmm. stuff, and then eventually how he wanted to eventually join up as a soldier, but then he he was never able to, and eventually how you... It's so... How do I describe it? It's like... It's that moment where you feel like, oh my god, this is like what actually happened. Like, he made up his own a fake persona based off of his best friend who was killed before him who was trying to help him and you learn of how Cloud in his own right was sort of a hero because he's the one that originally killed Sephiroth and he was only an, a Shinra infantry soldier and a regular Shinra infantry soldier killed Sephiroth who was considered a badass was considered the best or a badass in soldier and Zack who at the time was considered a first class soldier who you know first class first class soldier is basically you know considered the best of the best and he was knocked down on his ass from Sephiroth, and then Cloud steps up and just takes a sword to the gut or to the abdomen, and then just knocks Sephiroth into the abyss and kills him. And I'm like, and when you learn all this, and when you put all the pieces together of who Cloud really is, and he gets his persona back, and he also like you know he, start, he starts caring about people again because he has his own thoughts and feelings. He's not trying to act like some sort of mercenary or his own like someone else who he's not, and it's. That is one of the most, like, bre- like I'm not sure I'd say breathtaking, but it's one of the most awesome moments of Final Fantasy VII I've ever seen because you get to see what happened to the development of the main character and what made him so interesting and what caused him to break mentally and how you piece, together, piece him together to make him back to his true self. And I'm like, that's just amazing how they fit all that and how they put all the 3D objects together of him combining all of his memories into really like basically reconstructing him and everything. So I was like, that's just like one of the most grandest moments I've ever seen in Paul Messi. So I was like, holy crap when I saw this. So yeah. Okay, we're gonna head into the last section of this podcast, something sure. I like to call the final five. These are five final questions uh, designed to spark a little bit more tangent because obviously we love running on tangents on this show. <laughs> oh, we sure do. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, so uh, like I do with, uh, at the end of each one of my podcasts, these are five final questions. So, here we go. First question. Sure. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Drink it black? Light and sweet? Um... Light and sweet. I like to put half and half and sugar in it. Half and sugar. Yeah. At, a, at an old job of mine, I uh, got impatient with people taking too much time uh, getting their coffee just right, and I actually learned to drink my coffee black. And now that's basically <laughs> the only way I drink it. It's, it's, it's kind of funny. People give me funny looks. <laughs> um, so we're both uh, definitely video gamers. Do you do any tabletop gaming? Um, if we're talking about like board games, I do, but table. Like if we're talking about board games, yeah, right? Sure, sure. Board I, games. I, um, yeah, I've done, I do. I do some uh, board games. Depends what it is. Like I played 
The most recent one was probably Monopoly or you know, Star, Star Wars themed themed Monopoly. <laughs> nice. You get into the uh, the modern ones like Carcassonne or um, Pandemic or Netrunner or anything uh, like that. I haven't really heard of those. Like I know, um, I know a uh, what is it? Not um, is it Age of Conan or whatever that is called? Um, there's a board game which it starts. With, it's an Age of something. And Age of Empires? No. What? No, I was going to say Age of Empires, but no, that's uh, a mobile game. Uh, um, I forgot what 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 is it? It's like it's like Age of Conan or something like that, or no, no, it's um, um, what is it? Um, uh, is it Age of Conan? I don't know. I maybe it is Age of Conan. Uh, maybe no. It's it's something else. It's a it's a training game. I don't remember what the name of it, is, but my brother has it, and it's a great game. I really I really like it. Like you do a bunch of trading, you try to kill each other. Okay. But um, yeah, like I play, nice. I, I play some tabletop games, but not like as much as video games. Like I play mm-hmm. some tabletop yeah. games depending on what they are. All right. Uh, so we're at the end of January, but not too far out of the holiday season. Uh, what's your holiday movie of choice? Holiday movie of choice. Wow. Um, like, you know, I mean, like, re- most that Christmas movie. Like, any, yeah, just whatever. Um, Let's see. If I had to choose most recent, it'd probably be uh, Rogue One, actually. <laughs> really? Yeah. Like, it was actually really well done. I, I actually saw that movie twice. Good for you. Like, I, it was funny because I saw it the day it came out, and then my brother texted me later that day and said, Hey, you want to go see Rogue One? I was like, Okay. And then I, I basically saw the regular version of it the first day it came out, and then the next day I saw it in 3D in the morning. Oh, jeez. I was like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm done with this movie. I watched it two times. <laughs> I, I was always going to watch it three times with my roommates, but no one had said anything. I'm like, Oh, hey, you want to go watch Rogue One? I'm like, I'm doing it. I barely made it for the second time. <laughs> nice. So, um, what was your first gaming platform? My first... Oh, first... You mean first console or something? Yeah. It was uh, NES. It was regular Nintendo. The first Nintendo. So, yeah, we we, did, we discussed that a little bit, getting down with the original Mario Brothers. Yeah, back when it was called the Mario Brothers. Yeah. Uh, like- Luigi still mattered, even though he was, you know, second player. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He was the other Mario. Yeah, other other Mario. Player 2 Mario, basically. <laughs> Player 2 Mario. Alright, and uh, final question. We're going to bring it back to the Final Fantasy. Did you cry when Eris died? I don't remember, actually. I was young when I first played. I might have cried or had some tears a little bit, but I actually... Can, I actually <laughs> cannot rem- I cannot remember, actually. Yeah, I remember playing that. I, I didn't cry, but... Um, I just remember being drop jawed because it's like this is the first time there was like significant permadeath of a playable character. Yeah, like I did. I like every time I see that now, I'm like, it sucks that like the one thing I don't like about that is that like I feel sad when she dies. But the only thing that sucks that they did like a permanent death of a like, main character was that you only get to use her for one disc. Or one part of the game, and then like, oh, well, sorry, you can only get, you have to get all of her stuff in the first part of the game and use it then. Otherwise, uh, unless you cheat to make her permanently part of your party, you can't use her anymore. I was like, then what's the, what's the whole point of loving her up and using her? It's like, I don't see the point to it. It's like, it's so dumb. I like, I don't like, I only use her like in Midgar and some other areas. 
And then I don't use her for, for the rest of the game because she dies. See, I was annoyed, and what pissed me off about it the most was like she was my main healer, and she was <laughs> such a good healer. Oh yes, I can, I can see, I can see why. <laughs> and I'm like, no, no. Sorry, you've been denied a healer. <laughs> I'm like, it's like, it's, oh like a, it's like a big middle finger to you. It's like, sorry, find another person to do your healing for you. Oh, like, come on. It's like, you are not doing this to me right now. You are not doing this to me. It's like, no, 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 no. Quit doing this. You're not torturing my soul right now or torturing yeah, right. my heart right now. Oh, man, yeah. The f- first real permadeath of a main character. Oh. And that is all the time we have for this episode. Time for end of show plugs. You can follow me, Anthony Rossi, on Twitter, Instagram, Xbox One, and Twitch at Hypersyntax. That is H-Y-P-3-R-S-I-N-T-4-X. Or you can follow the podcast directly either on Twitter at VGXTPod or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash VideoGameCrosstalk. This podcast is hosted directly on Podbean and can be found at VideoGameCrosstalk.Podbean.com. As for my guest, Mock, where can our beautiful listeners follow you around? You can follow me at on on Twitter. I go by my Twitter handle is at the Mock Speed, and you can also type in Mock Zero, and you should be able to find me. I'm on Facebook, but I don't use it too much. Um, you can type in um, the name Zero, and you'll find me. I'm on Instagram. Just type in. I'm under the name The Mock Zero. I'm also on Snapchat. I don't use it very often, but I'm under. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, on, yeah, I'm on Snapchat as well, but I'm like, ah, I've had like but one or two I, snaps. I'm I'm under the name The Mock Zero. Um, Xbox. I'm under the name XS Gohan X. I have to change that. And then PlayStation, PSN. I it's another name I have to change, but. I'm under the name CrowArt23. That's where you can find my P- that's my PSN. And I'm trying to think of anything else under my social media. And of course for uh, Twitch as well, it's twitch.tv. For, I think it's forward slash or backslash. I think it's forward slash Fox uh, Zero like it's on my Twitter. And I think that's all the social media actually. All right. And finally, if you are a gamer or know a gamer that wants to talk some tech and science news, let me know. Do you have some news that you'd like to hear discussed? Do you have any other general questions that you'd like to hear answered on the show? Send an email to videogamecrosstalk at gmail.com and give me the deets of what's going down. Please don't forget to like, review, subscribe, and share this podcast all over your social media accounts. And we can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Thank you one last time for hanging out with us. Mock, thank you one more time for joining me. No problem. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. All right, my man. And in the words of Mahatma Gandhi, anger and intolerance are the enemies of correct understanding. <laughs>